You're listening to Let's Talk About Fatherlessness with host Sean Tice, where we talk about leading fatherless families to the Heavenly Father. Hey, my name is Sean Tice, host of Let's Talk About Fatherlessness. I'm excited about our guest today. We have Dr. Gary Chapman with us today. So, so exciting to have you with us. Well, thank you, Sean. It's great to be with you. Would you yeah. take a few minutes and, and I mean, everybody probably knows who you are, but would you just take a few minutes and tell us about your ministry and tell us about yourself? Sure. I live in North Carolina. You can probably pick that up by my voice, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I have worked on the same church staff for 50 years. I officially retired about a year and a half ago, but they let me keep my office. They let me keep my assistant. So I'm still here every day. Uh, one of my major roles through the years has been, uh, 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 helping marriage and family. Uh, for 10 years, I directed our college ministry in the early years in the 70s, and uh, just absolutely incredible ministry there. And then worked with single adults and directed adult education. But but counseling has always been a major part of my ministry. So uh, <clears throat> helping people, you know, where they are, take steps in the right direction. That's kind of been my journey. That, that's wonderful. And uh, we, we've all heard of your uh, your books, The Five Love Languages. Would you just share about those for a few minutes? Yeah, uh, that book has amazed me how God has used it. I discovered it in my counseling that what makes one person feel loved doesn't make another person feel loved. And so, you know, a couple would say, a uh, guy would say, you know, I do this and this and this and this. And she tells me she doesn't feel loved. I don't understand that. And I realized that he was sincere. He was loving her, but it wasn't registering with her emotionally. And I think almost everyone agrees that one of our deepest emotional needs is the need to feel loved by the significant people in our lives. And so uh, I discovered that basically there's five fundamental, what I call love languages, five ways to express love. And each of us has a primary love language. And if you don't speak our primary language, we won't feel loved, even though you're speaking some of the other languages. And just briefly, they are words of affirmation. For some people, this really makes them feel love when you affirm them verbally. Others, it's acts of service. It's doing things for them. In a marriage, it would be like washing dishes, vacuuming floors, cooking meals, washing the car, walking the dog, changing the baby's diaper. <laughs> and for these people, actions speak louder than words. You can say, I love you, I love you, I love you. If you don't have some actions showing your love by serving them, they won't feel love. And then there's gifts. It's universal to give gifts as an expression of love. The gift says, they were thinking about me. Look what they got from me. And the gift doesn't have to be expensive. We've always said, it's the thought that counts. You know, they were thinking about me. They bought this for me. Isn't that neat? And then quality time. Giving the other person your undivided attention. I do not mean a couple sitting on the couch watching TV together. Someone else has your attention. I'm talking about the TV's off, the computer's down. We're not answering our phone. We're listening to each other. We're sharing things in our life with each other. We're getting to know each other. And I believe just like we ought to have a daily time with God in which we sit down and listen to God by reading his word, that we really ought to have a daily sit down and listen time with our spouse. And for some people, this is what makes them feel loved. And then there's physical touch. And we've long known the emotional power of physical touch. That's why we pick up babies. We hold them, kiss them, and cuddle them. As long as that baby is held, they begin to feel loved before they even know what the word means. So 
the love language develops pretty early in life. Uh, I, I've said basically about by four years of age, you can tell a child's love language uh, by the way they relate to you. You know, my son's love language, for example, is physical touch. When he was that age and I came home, he'd run to the door and grab my legs and climb on me. He's touching me because he wants to be touched. My yeah. daughter never did that. At that age, she would say, Daddy, come into my room. I want to show you something. Her language was quality time. She wanted the two of us to be doing something together. And as she got to be a teenager, she would say, Dad, can we take a walk after dinner? Yeah. She's asking me for quality time. So, yeah, out of those five, children have a primary love language. Adults have a primary love language. I, I do say to parents, uh, don't, don't hear me saying you only speak the child's primary language. You give heavy doses of the primary. You sprinkle in the other four because we would like that child to learn how to receive love and give love in all five languages. That's the healthiest adult. Not many of us received all five growing up. Yeah. So we came to adulthood and we didn't know how to speak some of these languages. But the good news is you can learn to speak them, even if you didn't receive them as a child. All right, that's so good. And, and you've written several books. Um, what's the, are there any resources you have that could specifically help the fatherless or single moms? Do you have anything that you could recommend? Yeah, you know, Dr. Clarence Schuler and I, he's African-American, and we've been really close friends for more than 50 years now. I met him when mm -hmm. he was 14 years old. Yeah. And uh, so we wrote a book for young men uh, called Choose Greatness, 11 Wise Decisions That Brave Young Men Make. And we encourage him, if he has a father in the home, to read it with his father. Yeah, he reads the chapter, the father reads the chapter, and then they discuss the answers to the, at the end of the chapters. But if they don't have a father in the home, we, uh, we ask, uh, talk with your mother or your grandmother and see if they can recommend an, an older man, uh, a, trusted, a trusted man, that would be willing to sit down and, and read this with you. You know, you read it, he reads it, and you, you talk about your answers together. It is a way for uh, fathers who are you know, trying maybe to mentor children that are not their biological children. Uh, it, it's a tool for them to use to really discuss key issues uh, for that young man's life. And we really believe if a young man can learn to speak, uh, learn to, to, to choose these, these uh, decisions, make these 12, 11 decisions, uh, it's going to really, really help him have a successful life. That's really good. And is there anything for the single mom, just for her, her personal life? Do you have any resources like the love languages or? Yeah, I think uh, the love languages of children, it's the title, the five okay. love languages of children will help a single parent uh, understand that it's not that I have to learn. If they have two children, they're probably going to have different love languages. Yeah. And so you got to find out what that love language is and, and learn to speak their primary love language as well as, as I had speaking the others. So that would be a helpful book. I think another book for single moms would be uh, the singles edition of the five love languages. It's just called the five love languages for singles. And this applies uh, the concept to all of their relationships, their parents, you know, their siblings, their, uh, you know, their children. Uh, and so I think both of those books would be helpful to a single mom. Okay. And, and that's great. And thank you so much for uh, telling us about your resources. And we, we are so thankful for your ministry, all the work you've done. And I know it has not been in probably an easy road, all the, all the books you've published, the things you've done. So thank you so much for, for your hard work. Now, now shifting gears here, we're here to talk about fatherlessness, and you have years of experience of being a pastor, of writing books, of probably counseling, different things like that. Could you take some time right now just to share 
um, your firsthand experience of anything that comes to your mind about, about fatherlessness, whatever comes to your mind first. Well, I think uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is an appreciation for my father. Mm-hmm. When I have seen so much, you know, with children growing up without fathers, and, and I would suggest uh, any man that wants to help other young men uh, look back on your own life and ask, you know, what do, what do I learn from my father? And I would never have known how to plant a garden if it hadn't been for my father, how to plant potatoes and then dig them up without ruining them. And <laughs> there's a lot of practical stuff, you know, how to ride a bicycle, how to drive a car. You know, and then you come to appreciate, I mean, if you had a father, you come to appreciate the father. And then you can look around you and, and everybody, you don't have to look very far to see young men who don't have a father in the home. And uh, my experience has been through the years that those those children have a hard time because uh, they don't have a model of what a, a man should be and look like. And consequently, and many, and many of them don't feel loved. Sometimes the mother is working, you know, two jobs and really doesn't have a whole lot of time with them. And so they're spending their time, you know, a lot of time, just free time. And they turn they turn outside the home to try to find love. They wouldn't be saying I'm trying to find love, but that's really what they're doing. Uh, and but consequently, they often get attracted to, to people on the street who are not healthy for them, you know, and they get pulled into t- trying drugs, you know, just try, just try, you know, and they get into the drug culture and uh, and, and really their whole life is is, is, is ruined, you know, until under, until there can be redemption. Somebody reaches in and seeks to help them. So uh, I just think growing up without a father is a tremendous handicap to those young men. And those of us who have healthy relationships with our fathers, uh, I, I think, have the potential of reaching out to help those young men. You know, I mentioned uh, Clarence Schuler. As I said, I met him when he was 14. And he had a father in the home until his father died. His father died when he was 16. And so uh, not only was I working with him and mentoring him and he led him to Christ, but I kind of became a substitute father for him. Yeah. You know, in those years and, and walked with him through through high school, through college, you know, through seminary, through his marriage. I was in his wedding <laughs> and uh, um, it was uh, it developed. Not It was started off as a, a mentoring relationship. It ended up as a long term friendship, you know, which we enriched mm-hmm. each other's lives. Uh, you know, John said, uh, the Apostle John said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And so when you lead a young man to Christ and then spend time with him and help him walk through the journey of life into adulthood. And there's tremendous joy in that. And every father, every Christian father has the potential of, of finding a young man that doesn't have a father in the home that he can reach out to. And uh, yeah. yeah, get him involved in something at your church. If you have something like that for them or some other organization, but get them involved in, in that where they hear, they come to trust you first of all, and then they come to, trust Jesus. And now, you know, you can mentor them and help them grow in their relationship. So uh, there's all kind of opportunities there, but the need is absolutely tremendous in our culture for uh, adult Christian men to have a positive influence on these young men who don't have a father in the home. That's wonderful. And I, and I've I've heard your story. I know Clarence and um, he's a great man and I'm so thankful for what you did with him. Could you just spend a little more time on that for the people that are listening, for the youth pastor that's listening, um, just some of the practical things that you did with Clarence when he was 16, his dad passed away. And I know you went to different events and things like that, but could you tell a little more 
um, what you did for him, how, how you impacted his life. Yeah, well, our relationship started back in the late 60s when school integration was just taking place. And uh, one of our young, I was a youth director in a church, not, not the church I've served in for 50 years, but another church. And uh, one night he and his buddy showed up. They had been invited to our youth meeting on Tuesday night. We'd built a new gymnasium. And one of our students had invited uh, him and his buddy to come and they walked in, you know, two, two black young couples and I mean, young, young men and a hundred white kids. And, and in those years, uh, that didn't happen. You know, he, they were brave to, to even come. And he talks about that, you know. Uh, but we met on that night. And, and after it was over, I said, hey, guys, we're here every Tuesday night. You guys are always welcome. And so they started coming. And uh, I would see them every week. And sometimes I'd go by and pick them up. And sometimes somebody else would go by and pick them up. Sometimes they'd walk and, and come. They were, they were faithful. And uh, about two years after that, uh, maybe a little less, uh, we had a weekend retreat and they went with us on the retreat. And on that retreat, Clarence accepted Christ. Wow. And when that happened, uh, I said, Clarence, let's, let's just spend some time together, man. I'm so excited for you. And so I invited him to come over to my house every Saturday morning and we would work through a discipleship program. The navigators put out, you know, they have a little discipleship program and we just kind of worked our way through that discipleship program. I started memorizing scriptures together and uh, just sharing life together and praying together about whatever was going on in each of our lives. He started praying for me when I started praying for him. And since he was coming to our house, our children got to know him. They were just young children, but they got to know him. And every night when they, when they prayed, they prayed for Clarence too. You know? <laughs> so, uh, and then when his father died, I got to know his mother and his sister and kind of, you know, became a part of the family. I mean, they already knew about me, but they hadn't really, hadn't really met me. And uh, so, uh, but I think it's that kind of thing, just uh, just an organized way of, of kind of taking them through some discipleship material, uh, which is what we did. And then, of course, he came time to go to college. And uh, he had, uh, he, he wasn't sure, he, he was sensing that God was leading him in his ministry by this time, some kind of ministry. So he ended up going to Moody Bible Institute where I had gone. And I think he was, you know, influenced by the fact that I had gone there and he saw me and he thought, well, maybe I ought to go there. So he did. And he played basketball. He, he was the first black uh, student on the basketball team at, at Moody in Chicago back in those years. But in his senior year, he flunked out because he, 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 he missed his, he missed his, he forgot when he his exams and he missed eight and, and he, and he, he flunked out. And he didn't call me, but one of his buddies called me and told me what had happened. So I called up back up there because he was staying with his buddy. I said, tell Clarence I'd like to talk with him. And he talked to Clarence. And he said, he didn't want to talk to you. <laughs> and I said, well, you tell Clarence if he doesn't talk to me on the phone tomorrow morning, I'll get on a plane and I'll be up there because I want to talk to him. <laughs> so I guess he decided he'd rather talk on the phone than not come up there. <laughs> So he got on the phone and, and he, he said his, his first words were, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I said, well, Clarence, I am disappointed. I said, yeah, certainly I'm disappointed, but it's not the end of the world. You know, God still has plans for you and it's not the end of the world. I said, there, there are things we can do. I said, if you, if you want to, you can come home, you know, and I'll help you find a job and you can work a while and then we'll, we'll decide what the next step is. Or if God opens up an opportunity for you up there to work, you know, you can do that. And then we'll just pray what the next step is. So uh, 
there was a, a youth organization there in Chicago that asked him to be a part of that youth ministry. And so he worked there for a year and, and had a tremendous influence on young men in Chicago uh, working at that youth center, just spending spending his life there, really investing in them. And then uh, he applied to another college and was accepted and went and and completed and got his degree. Wow. <laughs> and then he then he went to went to seminary. And he went to the same seminary I went to, Southwestern Baptist Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. There he met his wife. And uh, and, and how I was in their wedding. I was the, the best man in their wedding. And uh, he had a wonderful wife. And now they have three daughters, three grown, grown daughters. Uh, and uh, they call me Grandpa. <laughs> and my two children call him their brother. Uh, you know, it's just it's you, you, when you spend time through the years it's it's a friendship that really is more like family you know than anything yeah. else and so yeah that that was that was our experience and i think you know if 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 a if a father uh as a christian father only took one young man through that kind of process yeah it would be one of the best investments of his time that he could ever do yeah uh, i was sitting here talking to you because i had people that did that for me Mm -hmm. uh, they invested in my life at a youth pastor. And then I had, it was different seasons of people um, that I went through high school with at a youth leader and, and another youth leader. Then I had a, and then I, the guy became my boss. And I, I, he, even to this day, I was talking to him yesterday. He's on our board for our ministry. He's like a dad to me. And when you mm -hmm. said it's, it's like family, it's so true because when I go back into town or um, you just even staying connected with them, you know, we're, we're like family. His daughter's like my little sister. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a family thing. And it's, it's, yeah. Hard to describe. Um, I, like when I went to college, I just started telling people that he was my dad because I was tired of explaining the whole the whole thing. I said, "Yeah, my dad's in Pennsylvania." You know, it's like grew up fatherless. I'm like, "Well, it's a it's a fill-in dad kind of thing. It's a yeah. mentor, but it was just easier to explain than than that." But that's that's wonderful what you did with Clarence, and I'm we're, we're, I'm sure we'll have Clarence on on a future episode, and we'll get him to share his side, you know, his side of it. And, yeah. Uh, but but shifting gears a little bit more, uh, let's go let's go over to where, you know, with being a, a pastor and ministry leader, what are some trends that you've seen with the issue of fatherlessness over the years um, in our culture and our country? Well, I think, unfortunately, there are many churches that just aren't addressing the issue at all. You know, they just don't really, I guess, see the need. I don't know what the deal is. But on the, where the churches have seen the need, and it's a greater need in certain geographical locations and other geographical locations. I understand that. But when you do understand the need, and I, I think those churches that have geared their, their children's program and their youth program to include those kind of children, uh, uh, it's been tremendously effective. Because when, the, when those children see, whether it's young men or young women for that matter, but when they come to see that this church is interested in us, and they they want us to be there, and they have things for us to do on a regular basis. You know, every every week we, there's something going on there that we're involved in. Uh, they have a tremendous impact on on those on those young men and young women, for that matter. So, uh, I think I just think it's a matter of having a vision for that, and and being open to that, and and especially across across cultural lines. Uh, because sometimes, you know, these young men don't look like if you're in a church that's basically a white church, you know, they don't look like you. Uh, but but they'll respond. I mean, they're they're people, they're humans, they're made in God's image. We're all we're all humans. 
And when you reach out across cultural lines, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to not only help them grow as a person and become a successful adult, but it's also helping you understand their culture and them understand your culture. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a, that was a real positive thing for me and for Clarence, just, you know, just understanding each other's culture, helping each other understand what's going on in the world around us. So uh, it, it, it is a tremendous ministry for a church to involve in, get involved in. So I think every church that does that and their lay people get a vision for it, it becomes one of their major ministries. Yeah, and I, I think so too. I agree completely with you. I think that every church should should focus on that. Um, now, what about those churches that are hesitant that they're you know they're they don't want to they don't want to be involved in that? You know, I've, I've had churches tell me we've been doing this for almost fifteen years now, and if a church is telling me that's not a focus of ours, that's not something that we um, that we like we focus on right now, what would you say to them? Well. I... <laughs> I don't know what I would say to be honest with you. <laughs> I think I would ask them why. Yeah. Why do they not see this as a, as a as a needed ministry? And and some of it is that their their vision has just been limited. They're they're not they're not into what's going on on the other side of town or or somewhere you know a little distant from their geographical location. Mm. And. And, and for pastors, I understand that they're involved, you know, with the people in their church and the sickness and the death and the and the weddings and the funerals. And, and I, I mean, parent, pastoring is a hard job and it, it, yes. it, it can consume your time. And to think about doing something new and different. I think some pastors just I don't I don't have time, you know. Yeah. And this is where I think we need to, as pastors, help our people get the vision of using their talents and their abilities to minister. You know, it's not just coming to church and being involved in church. It's it's reaching out to our community, seeing what the needs are. And 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 many times lay people can start a ministry like this. And the pastor doesn't have to be involved all that much, except just encouraging them, you know, and, and whatever if they have questions, that kind of thing. But I think lay people, they want to do that. Most most Christians who are really walking with God want to have a positive impact on the world. And here's one way you can have a positive impact on the world. It's just working with, with these children who grew up in fatherless homes. And, and so if a lay person gets the vision, it can become a really strong ministry growing out of your church. So I think that's what I would encourage pastors to do is to, first of all, look around and see what the need is in your community. And then uh, think in terms of someone in your church. You think, you know, I think they would be good at that. I think they could, could begin to start something like that and kind of share the vision with them and reach out. You know, and it, if nobody in their city is doing anything, find a church somewhere that is and, and, and send, send this lay person to that church so they can kind of talk with their leadership. How did y'all start this? You know, how, how, how does this work? What do you do? I mean, there's, there's a lot of help out there. Organizations like yours and others that, that will help you, uh, help them. That will help them begin a ministry like this in their church. That's great. Yeah, and definitely, it's not to to be a slight on pastors because they are incredible and they're working so hard and and you know they're they're doing their best a lot of times. And so, just to encourage pastors, I, I love what you said. Just to get some lay people involved and 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 not being scared of of fatherless ministry because it can it can be a scary thing it can be a daunting task to try to take on the fatherless in your in your church in your community but just taking time to say hey 
we're going to try to explore this and see who we have, how we can get involved, and maybe just doing an analysis on it, saying who's in our church, who's in our community that we can help, who can be involved in the ministry, how can we get these people plugged in together. And I, the thing is, it's an epidemic, and it continues to grow. And so we as a church got to be part of this and, and doing our part to, to help the fatherless. And like I like what you said earlier, if you help one family, one kid uh, as a family, that's, a, that's an amazing thing that you can do. And look what you do with Clarence's life. It's an incredible, incredible thing. Now, looking at fatherlessness um, a little more, what about the grown, the grown up that's the, the grew up fatherless, that they're a they're now a husband or a wife, they're a mom or a dad. Um, using your resources that you have, the love languages or any other resources you have, what would you say to them on, on how to kind of remove, remove the um, toxic part of that from their life as a grown-up now saying, I'm, I'm going to overcome this? What would you give them as, as advice or encouragement to just get past that? Because a lot of people, they can't, like even my own dad, he couldn't get past, well, my dad died when I was 13. And so he couldn't, he couldn't get past that, uh, became an alcoholic, and it, it kind of it made me fatherless then because he just couldn't get past his own, own struggles. What would you say to somebody like, like that or just a, somebody that's becoming a mom or a dad or a husband or a wife and to help them overcome that past so that they can have a successful future? Well, the first thing I would do, I would be empathetic with them, by which I mean I would emotionally i would identify with them and say i got i can understand how you'd feel that way you know mm -hmm. we're all influenced by the home in which we grew up in and if we grew up without a father you know we were influenced by that but here's the good news we are not controlled our adult life is not controlled by what happened to us as a child yeah. or what didn't happen to us as a child as adults we can make decisions to move in a different direction and uh, and when we do, as a Christian, we have God's help because God wants to make us healthy. He wants to make us a godly father. If we have children, a godly father to those children and a godly husband to this wife. And so uh, here's what I, when I give marriage conferences around the country, which I do all the time on Saturdays, uh, here's what I can I, I challenge them to at the end of the conference. For the rest of your life, if you're married, you and your wife share a book on marriage every year. And here's what I mean by share a book. You choose a book, a Christian book on marriage, and each of you read the same chapter that week. At the end of the week, you sit down and say, what can we learn from that chapter? And you just work your way through a book. And you, you do a book every year the rest of your life. And then every year the rest of your life, you go to something on marriage. It can be a class in your church that's offered. It can be a one-day conference like I do on Saturdays. It can be a weekend conference like Family Life uh, does with these weekend conferences. But you go to something every year on marriage. And so you do those two things, you're going to be growing because change doesn't take place just all at once. I'm going to be a holy man, <laughs> and yeah. a great father and a great husband. No, we learn as we go. And uh, But those are two ways to continue to stimulate growth, uh, you know, in your marriage and in your role as a father. So uh, otherwise, we just kind of get impressed by what we see on TV or what we happen to read in the newspaper. And those things aren't going to help you very much, you know. Uh, so just expose yourself uh, on a regular basis to those kind of things. And if you have a, 
a, a couple's class in your church that meets on a regular basis, then attend a class like that where you got other people that are encouraging. You know, you're all, you're all encouraging each other. Uh, that, that's the way we grow from where we were to where we want to be. Uh, that's that's great. And now, okay, now looking at that from a youth perspective, if you were, say today somebody came to your church, um, and maybe a single mom brought her her child into your, your church and said, hey, would you just talk to my kid for five minutes? What would you say to them? What, what would, just to kind of, this is the only chance you have, only chance you have to speak to them. What would you say to them to help them grow up and serve God and overcome this, this obstacle? I think the first thing I would say is I'm really glad you guys came today. Hmm. We're so glad to have you, man. Uh, at our church, we love people and we're just, we're glad you're here. And uh, we have a lot of good things going on here that I think you'd really, you really enjoy if you get involved in whatever their age is. Yeah, so we got whatever your age, we got, we got classes that meet every Sunday here with kids your age and you're just learning how to grow and learning about God and learning about important things in life. And uh, if your mother's willing to bring you, uh, we, we, we'd just love to have you again, plug into those classes because uh, that's where you can really learn how to, how to live life. That's going to be meaningful and enjoyful and joyful. And in the summer we have a camp program and I'd love to love for y'all to be able to go to camp next summer. It's a fun time, you know? Uh, so just giving them a picture that that it, that our church is a place that loves you and we've yeah. got things that you will enjoy doing and just plant a little seed there, uh, you know, to, to get them involved. Because again, they're not, they're not going to mature overnight by my giving them a little speech, <laughs> but if I can yeah. point them in the direction of some ongoing things, you know, that they can be involved in, uh, then they'll, they'll start coming and they'll tell their mom, Oh, we want to go. We want to go. We want to go. <laughs> and the mother she brought them the first place, so she she thinks it's going to help them. So she'll bring them, you know. Uh, God bless the sing, the single mothers, you know, who are reaching out to churches and taking their children to church because that's one of the best things you can do and get them plugged into a group of people that love them. I love your positive attitude about it too, because you know sometimes people are like, I don't I don't want that kid here. You know what I mean? Or, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. It, And I think that's changing in our culture. I think people are seeing that. It's, you know, it's needed to focus on these families and to, to help them and to, to encourage them. But I love how you were just like, hey, we're glad you're here. I think that's, that's a wonderful way to, to look at it. And that's the way we should be looking at these families. We're so thankful that you're here. Here's some resources we have for you. And because one of the things that we saw, we traveled into our ministry for a couple of years on the road. We did a Hope for Fatherless America national tour for three years. And we were in over 200 churches speaking about fatherlessness. And one of the main things that single moms would tell us was, I don't feel connected. I don't feel connected to the church. I don't feel connected to the pastor. Some of them would tell us, I, I've reached out. And we would just go and speak on fatherlessness. They would come and tell us this. And a lot of times we would just, we would try to refer them back to their pastor because we weren't, we were just there for a day. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know how yeah. that is. And so we would refer them back to the pastor because the pastor was their shepherd. Um, but they would say, well, some of them would say, I went to my pastor and there's no help for my kids. Um, and, and they were just kind of confused on what to do. They were trying to figure out how to how to be helped. But the thing is, we need as a church to be accessible to these families and not to be scared of them. And I, I love how you weren't scared of Clarence. Um, even the question that I asked you, you weren't scared of 
that young person that came in, you know, came to your office, you know, just, I mean, I know it was fake, but you weren't scared of that. And I think that that's wonderful. And it's a great way of how to handle that. I think most, most pastors are like that. Most yeah. ministry people, they want to help, but I think that a lot of people are just confused on where to start. So any advice on where to start for a pastor, um, ministry leader, Hey, I mean, I've said, you know, doing an analysis, but any other advice on that before we wrap it up? Yeah, I think if a pastor, you know, and I understand if, if the pastor's the only one on the staff because there are hundreds of churches all yeah. over the country that he's the only one there. He doesn't have an associate pastor. He doesn't have a youth director. He doesn't have any of those things. And uh, so you can't expect the church you know, like that to have all the stuff that a larger church would have. Yeah. Uh, but I think we start where we are. And I think I'd say, look at your community, see where the needs are that are just right around you, you know, geographically, and then begin to take your leadership, your lay leadership, and discuss, you know, where we are and where we need to go, and, and, and are we willing to do this, and can we take a first step, and what might that first step be, uh, because the lay people have to be involved in it, a pastor can't do it, you know, and the lay people have to be involved in it, he's the leader, yes. but the leader's job is to try to equip, you know, the lay people, first give them a vision, help them think about what would be the first step, who's the best person in our church to do that, how might we do that, you know, that kind of thing. And and lay people uh, who maybe have just been kind of coming to church, <laughs> if they can get a vision, you know, that I, that I can invest my life in, in somebody else that's going to help them forever. They'll come to Christ. We'll ultimately want them to come to Christ and come into the Christian family. But we got to start where they are, you know, with kind of their felt needs. So I, to me, that would be the way to do that. That's great. And I just I just want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. As we wrap it up, uh, would you share any more information about your ministry and also how to, how to connect with you and your organization? Yeah, well, if they go to the website, fivelovelanguages.com, the number five, fivelovelanguages.com, they'll see all of my books. And, uh, and they can also see where I'm going to be speaking, doing marriage conferences uh, throughout the year. Moody Publishers sponsors 10 of those all over the country, and they're always posted there. Uh, but there's a number of books there that can be used in small group studies and for specific groups in your church. You know, like even with the love languages, we have love language of children, love language of teenagers, uh, military edition of how it works and how you speak the love languages when they're deployed. Uh, how it works with special needs children, how it works in blended families, you know, uh, how it works when you lose a baby at birth, uh, how it helps you and your husband process things. And that's just the love language concepts, you know, but there's a lot of other books on other topics uh, that can be used in study groups in your church. Uh, one of them is a book I have on anger. You know, just, just that's the name of the book is anger, <laughs> taming a powerful emotion. And for a group study in your church on a book like that, uh, everybody needs help on handling anger. We, we all get angry, and, and that's not a sin. Even Jesus, even God gets angry. Jesus got angry. <laughs> the anger's not sin. It, it's just, the Bible says, don't sin when you are angry. Yeah. So learning how to handle anger. But, you know, there are other books on those kind of topics, on the second half of marriage and those kind of things that they'll find at that website. Okay. That's wonderful. And uh, thank you so much. You're on social media too, right? Are you on uh, Twitter and those, those places? Well, yeah, they can, at, at that website, they can sign up for, you know, weekly emails and a lot of other stuff there. But yeah. 
Okay. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Chapman. I appreciate that. And, and, and people listening to this, if you're a military family or even anger, um, that, that's a great resource. I know a lot of fatherless individuals, they, they uh, struggle with, with anger. A lot of fatherless guys, they deal with that. So that's definitely a great resource for single moms that are listening, for even pastors or ministry leaders or volunteers that are working with the fatherless. Definitely check out those resources. Uh, Dr. Chapman, thank you so much for taking time to, to talk to us today and to share your experience with fatherlessness and also share about your ministry. We, we appreciate you being on. Well, thank you, Sean. It's good to be with you and to keep up the good work. God bless you. To learn more about how you can get involved in fatherless family ministry, visit lifefactors.org where you can find some free resources. You can find our books that we have. You can find some, even the program that we have to help you start a single mom ministry within your ministry or within your church. We can all work together to lead fatherless families to the Heavenly Father.